It has now been 400 years since God had spoken through a prophet to his people. Then Jesus enters the scene, being the answer to the prophet Malachi's final words, the Lord you are seeking will come. This section of the journey invites us to embrace the life provided by the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus, though crucified on the cross for our sin, did not stay dead. He rose again, giving assurance that death no longer has the final say when we embrace the life we find in Jesus. Join us today as we look at what it means to embrace grace. Well, good morning, family. Um, I'm excited to open this next section of the journey with you uh, this morning. If you were with us last week, you know we um, closed out uh, the portion of the journey, Take to Heart, um, where we, we walked through uh, the prophets and, and the warnings that they gave God's people and, and how we could kind of translate those warnings into our own lives and, and really evaluate um, where we are in our relationship with God. And this morning, uh, we're opening up uh, Embrace the Life. So uh, over the next uh, 13 weeks or so, we're going to be uh, opening up the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and taking a look at Jesus' life and how, uh, how what he did mattered, um, how he is our Savior, and how he, um, exactly like the video just said, how he died on the cross for our sins, and, and what we can learn from him, not only as, as fully man, but fully God. And so um, I'm, I'm just really excited. Uh, this morning is probably going to be the most um, powerful text of Scripture, as we're just uh, looking at a long list of names. <laughs> um, a joke, but... Um, <clears throat> I wanted to start off, I had an opportunity this last week, a dear friend of mine, uh, he's a youth pastor in Portage, and he asked me to come and uh, to visit with his students and to share about uh, spiritual gifts. And so I had, I had an opportunity to go and teach these students, and, and it was incredible. And, and about halfway through, um, I, I kind of encountered uh, a piece of scripture that hit me in a different way than than it ever has before. Have you guys ever had that? Where it's like, I, I've read this, I've read the scripture like 17 times, and, but, but this time it just, it hit me differently. So we're, we're sharing about, uh, in, in Ephesians 4, about, um, you know, how God has gifted uh, apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. And, and as I was teaching, um, I'm reading through Ephesians 4, and I hit verse 7, and it says something like this. Um, it says... But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace was extended to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And, and in that moment, I'm thinking through like, oh yeah, he's, he's gifted us in these ways. And, and all of a sudden it hit me and, and I had this thought and it, it broke me. It drew me up short in the middle of the sermon. I started crying. <laughs> um, and, and here's the deal. I had to think about this. I have two kids. I like to talk about them a lot from up here. They're one of the most important things in my life, you know. Um, and so Lainey and Judah, do you know the reason why? And you, know, you know what they have to do to deserve me pouring out my love on them or giving them gifts or spending time with them? Nothing, right? They were born, and that's why. Um, you know, my wife's not here. She was here during first service. She nodded when I said this. So I think it's okay that I share it. Um, but she, she gets onto me sometimes because, like, every time we go to Meyer, Lainey comes back with, like, a new toy or a new, you know, finally she was like, we have enough toys. Like, please stop. 
please, please stop. And I was like, oh, okay. So then the next time she came back with like chocolate all over her face. <laughs> she was like, that's not healthy either. I don't know what you think you're doing. And so then finally, um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Sandy is back now at Meyer, which is awesome. And so now every time we go to Meyer, Lainey gets to ride on Sandy like 17 times. Um, so it's fun, you know. Um, but here's the deal. Do you know the reason I do that? Because she's my daughter, right? There's nothing that she's done. There's nothing um, that, that she can do that, like, I love her. She's my daughter. And, and if I'm in that position as a man, I mean, Matthew talks about this, right? That if, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more does the Heavenly Father lavish those things upon you? And so this morning, I, we're, we're talking about grace, we're talking about redemption, we're talking about what it means to, to be loved by the Father and to receive grace. So I want us to have kind of that mindset as we go into this, but as I was preparing, there's, there's this uh, passage that just kept on popping up in my heart, and um, I just wanted us to kind of start with this, okay? And so this is where, what it is, it's in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and I'm just curious, like this morning, is anybody just need some grace? Because, I, like, I do. Like, I, I told first service, like, I'm, I'm preaching this to myself, and you guys just get to ride along because this, if I'm being honest, like, I've been through the ringer lately, you know, and, and I need this message probably more than you guys do. And I'm sorry that that's the case. It's just the, it's where I am right now. But, but here's the deal. I, I keep coming back to this. One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible is Jesus, who we're about to learn about a little bit more. He, he tells people, this is what it's like to follow me. And this is what he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul. Does anybody need some rest for your soul this morning? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The message translation puts it this way. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out? Then he goes on to say, come and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I think it's just like no better picture of, like, of life with Jesus than the unforced rhythms of grace. And what we're going to learn about this morning is, is what that looks like. Because before Jesus spoke a single word in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, we begin with just, just this incredible story of redemption. And that is through this list of names. And I'll tell you what I mean by that, but if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament. If you're using the Bible in the seat in front of you, it's on page 959. And um, I don't know, I, I felt really convicted by the Holy Spirit that, that we should just read all of these names. And, and here's why. I want us to understand that, that you are in the same position as some of these people. Each name has a story, each name lived a life, each name had failures and, and wins, um, but eventually they became another name in a list of names, and that's, that's us, right? I'm, another, I'm a name in a list of, a lot longer list of names that, that are going to happen, and so I want us to, to really consider, like, where we are. And our problems are big, and, and the things we go through are big, but, but God cares about every single little detail. And, and that's why we get this, this beautiful imagery. And so bear with me here. Some of the pronunciations I practiced in front of my dog. Um, 
And she just kind of looked at me like, huh. So this is what it says. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. You guys following so far? We're a third of the way through. (laughs) Here we go. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. I like how it says the wife of Uriah here. We're not saying her name. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Isaiah, and Isaiah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. <sighs> and after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtel, and Shealtel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiad, and Abiad the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliad, and Eliad the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called the Christ. You guys awake? Okay. I want you to hear all those names because I, I, I want us to realize that before Jesus even graced the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there was redemption in this story. There was grace in this story. Because we could, we could like blindfold ourselves and point at this list, and, and we will find just some crazy drama. In here is, is prostitutes. In here, there are kings. There are holy kings. There were wicked kings. In here, there are broken people. In here, there are liars, cussers, uh, people who cut off other people in traffic <laughs> on their donkeys. But... Uh, I kept reading through it. It's, just, it's my story, right? Um, and, and especially the way that Jesus describes things later on. It says, like, man, if you've ever even, even thought with malice in your heart, you might as well have just killed somebody, right? If you ever looked with lust at a woman, you might as well have done it. And, and like, I, I'm just thinking, like, in my own wickedness, in my own brokenness, like, I've, I've, I've done everything on the list in my heart, and so, I mean, like, I, I did. Like, I looked through, like, a lot of these. And, and the great temptation here would be to, to, like, go, like, line by line and be like, man, look at all these cool stories. Look at all these people who were jacked up. Look at, you know, and I, I'm going to read some, or, or read part of one. So we already talked about, you know, there's prostitutes. There's all these other things. But check this guy out. This guy was known as the worst king to ever grace the face of Judah. And he's in Jesus' line. Like, ah! Check this out. In, in the 17th year of Pekah, the son of uh, Ramallah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. 
as his father David had done, but he walked in the ways of the kings of, uh, kings of Israel. He even burned his son as an offering. According to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel, he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places on the hills and under every green tree. This man was a serious idolater, so much so that, that he burned his son alive. Yet, when we read Matthew 1, his name shows up. Do you see, do you see where I'm going here? Jesus was born from a long list of idolaters, of wicked men, of broken people, to show us that he sympathizes with us. In our most broken, in our most desperate, Jesus is saying that there's hope even in the darkest places. Even in my lineage that's full of all these things, I'm redeeming, I'm restoring, I'm making all things new, there's grace. There's grace, there's grace, there's grace. And so I, I found this cool definition that I wanted to share with us. This is like... Um, this is what I think about when I think about grace. It's the unconditional love towards a person who does not deserve it. You know, we like to say around here sometimes at Grace Spring that, um, you know, grace is getting something that you don't deserve, and mercy is not getting something that you do deserve. But grace, man. When was the last time we really thought about the power of grace? And that's what Jesus shows us through this entire lineage here is, is that that he is full of grace, redeeming, restoring, giving new life to even the depths of awful things. You know, the lineage was everything. Matthew, as he's writing this, he's, he's, he's proving some points here, but, but for, for an Israelite, your lineage, it, it spoke about your entire family. We, we see all throughout scripture, the, the tribes are specifically mentioned, the fathers and sons, and they're specifically mentioned. Oftentimes, if God cursed somebody in the Old Testament, he cursed their entire family tree. And if he blessed somebody, he did the same. He blessed their entire family tree. And so what, what, what Matthew is, he's drawing out a couple points here. And one of those very specifically is, is like, this is the line. This is where the heart is. This is what Jesus came from. And yet he was perfect, fully God and fully man. And so there's a few lessons I think we need to learn from, uh, from Jesus in in. in the midst of this lineage and the midst of, of this history of who he is. And I want to share these attributes of Jesus with you this morning. So the first of those is this, that, that this lineage, it shows us that Jesus is the Messiah. There are prophecies all throughout the Old Testament about how Jesus would come from a specific line. Here, and here, I'll, I'll read some of that. In Isaiah, it talks about this, Isaiah 11. It's this beautiful picture I can get there. Here's what it says. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Who is Jesse? David's dad. And a branch from his root shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And then it, then it says this a little bit later. In that day the root of Jesse who, who shall stand as a signal 
for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Who does that sound like? The Messiah who comes and judges equitably, who comes and offers hope and peace. You see that we talked about last week, Malachi and and God looking at his people and saying like, here are the issues. Here's the brokenness. You're not loving me the way that you should. You're giving me cruddy sacrifices and the, the laundry list of all the things. And then he turns on a dime at the very end and he says, but if you will keep to my words, if you will keep to my commandments, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a Messiah, somebody who will come to take away the sins of mankind. Like, like, you, you see the, the parallel there that, that God's saying, like, this is the judgment that I'm enacting upon you because you can never be good enough. We live in this covenant where there's a sacrificial system and your sacrifices aren't good enough, but I'm going to send somebody who will stand in as that sacrifice and give you a new covenant in blood because you can never earn it. And so what, what's happening here is this Messiah that's coming, we see him as the saving one. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he looked up and he said, behold the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. This is the Messiah, the man, fully God, fully man, who came to this earth that lived a perfect life, who died the death that I deserve so that I could have new life in him. And this is what the Messiah was. He was hope. He was grace. You see, what this lineage tells me is that the prophecy came true and Jesus really is who he said he was. So not only is there redemption through this line, but there is, there is hope, there is trust, there is, there's a, a certainty in the midst of this that Jesus is who he said he was. I don't know about you guys, but I need a Messiah like every day in my life. I need the saving touch of Jesus to hit me right in my wickedness. I need that Messiah. The second um, aspect that we can learn from Jesus here is, is Jesus, who's our friend. We talked about a little bit this, this span of all these unrighteous people. And Jesus came into the earth in this way to show us that he was familiar and he was comfortable with the low and the sickly. Jesus was, they, they call him the friend of sinners. You know, if people went and looked for Jesus, they'd find him like hanging out uh, with prostitutes. They, they'd find him hanging out in the tax collector's house, eating dinner. I mean, like if, if you even looked at the people that surrounded him, like we think of like the disciples from the, like the flannel grams, right? Like they're like, you know, we just pop them up there and they're all wearing a robe and they're all, you know, they've got the headdress and all that stuff. But, but man, these, some of these guys were crazy. A bunch of smelly fishermen, a tax collector, a zealot. You know what a zealot was? Somebody that, that like did like political operatives. Like this guy was crazy. These are the people that Jesus spent time with. The lowly, the weak, the sinner. The rebel rousers. And his lineage shows us that, that he's a friend of sinners. He's a friend of my broken heart. When I'm walking through something deep, when I'm walking through something that doesn't make sense, I can call on the name of Jesus who is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Who, who sits down beside me in the midst of the tumult in my life, the chaos in my life, and tells me, man, I got your back. I love you. Do you see what I've done for you? And we see this through the lineage of Christ. The third aspect here I want us to, to look at briefly is that Jesus, he's our king. When Jesus walked uh, and began his public ministry, he declared in front of everybody, the time has come, the kingdom is here, so repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom is here. The king is on his throne. That's part of like the, the Messiah thing, right? It, it's like he's the savior of the world, but he's also our king. You know what a king do, does? It, it, a king represents God to the people. 
So God spoke to the king, the king declared, the king moved, the king did what was best for the people. And a good king, unlike Ahaz that we read about, a good king cares about the hearts of his people. A good king sets decrees and laws and puts them into place to protect his people. Jesus as our king is somebody who guides us, who shepherds us, who cares for us, who governs us, who protects us. Do we really believe that that Jesus is, is living out that role in our lives? Or are we following a different king? Jesus as our king who died and went to be with the Father and sat at his right hand in his rightful seat, ruling the kingdom of God on the earth. And the king is present wherever we step foot because we take him with us. Do we need a king who guards and governs and protects us? Yeah, I think we do. The last one here I want to look at is is Jesus. He's our high priest. His lineage tells us he's our high priest. So in the the way that that the king represents God to the people, the priest turns around and represents the people back to God. Think about what a priest did. We we talked through that in Exodus and Numbers, but a a priest was responsible for taking the sacrifices of the people into the Holy of Holies and, and giving that to God to atone for the sins of the people. The priest like, literally like, gathered up all of the sins and was like, here you go, God. You see that picture of Jesus? He took the sins, he drank the cup, and he went to the cross, and he died for our sins. And now, he's, like I said, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for us. I like the way my brain works. I imagine like, there, there have been times because we, we have to square the fact that God is infinitely just, but he's also infinitely merciful, right? And so like, I've pictured before, I'm not saying this is theologically accurate. You will not find this in the Bible. This is just my Kenneth mind working. But I pictured before like God like, sitting up there, and he's like, ah, Kenneth sinned again. And, and Jesus is sitting there, and he's like, no, nah, he's covered. He's with me, man. You know? I know that's like, not, not accurate. Like, I, I, I put that, I, like, please don't email me or whatever. Like, I know, I know. It's just the way my brain wanders. But, but here's the deal. We are, we are covered by the blood of Jesus. We're covered as our high priest intercedes for us and, and loves on. He offers that sacrifice that, that fully covers us forever. So he is fully uh, the king of kings and he's also the priest of priests. It's a duality here that, that not only he sets our path for us and governs us and protects us, but, but he also pours out his blood for us that, that gives us new life. And you know what the thing is? Like I could go on and on and on. I mean, we could have a list that, that's forever. Jesus is, Jesus is, Jesus is. And, and, and that'd be cool. I wanted to highlight these four because I believe that the lineage of Jesus really draws these four uh, attributes out specifically. But here's the deal, family, and we're going to spend the rest of our time on this this morning because I believe that as believers sometimes we don't have a good understanding of who Jesus really is in our hearts, who Jesus really is in our minds. And we walk around defeated. We walk around kicking ourselves. We walk around just just in a funk sometimes. And so what I want to do is this morning is I want to give us some tools. I, I, you know, Brian said the whole gymnasium thing in here, and it really just caught on with me. Like, I, I, want us to, I want us to practice these things. I want us to figure out how we can really relate more with God and really understand the God of the universe who wrote an entire book for us to tell us who he is and what his character is. Because can I be honest with you? Like, this last week, the last couple weeks, like the, the, 
I haven't been living like, like the gospel has a hold of my heart. I suspect there's probably some of us that are the same way, man. Anytime, anytime something catches us out of left field, anytime something frustrating happens, anytime we hear something that we didn't want to hear, anytime the frustration happens, our kids do something, um, you know, dumb, or I mean, any of this stuff, anytime we, we, we have an opportunity. And what I'll say is like the last few weeks, those opportunities have been eating my lunch. Can I, we, read a, we read a passage last week from Psalms, and there's this line in there that just like, it keeps on hitting me, hitting me, hitting me, but it, but it says this. It says, would you restore in me the joy of your salvation? Create in me a new heart. Restore in me the joy of your salvation. Can I, can I ask, like, is there joy in your salvation? Or did we, like, sign up for the Christianity thing? We're like, yep, done, cool. Now I'm just going to go on in my weariness. <laughs> you know? Because, like, the Bible I read, like, God doesn't, he doesn't want that. But how guilty are we of living that way sometimes, right? Is the gospel good news for your soul? You know what's interesting is, like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're called the gospels. You know what gospel means? It means good news. Are we acting like the gospel is really good news, or is it just something that we hear in one ear, it goes out the other, and we go on the way that we're living? And I'm not saying that, like, hard things can, like, that, that they should just immediately disappear. But what I'm saying is that, that if we truly believe that Jesus is our Messiah, that he's our friend, that he's our king, that he's our priest, that he's a friend that sticks closer to, than a brother, then, uh, then what's got us so defeated sometimes? It's because I'm a human and I stink. So the tool that I want us to, to use, like, I, I'm, I'm going to be really vulnerable with you guys, okay? And I'm going to walk you through, like, how I've been using it personally. It's been one of the most important things in my life over the last few weeks. I've had to do it a lot. But you might have heard me say this before. I believe that as believers, we need to pre uh, preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. And, and probably multiple times a day. We're not preaching the gospel to ourselves how can we ever expect to take that gospel out into the world around us? If we don't have it in our hearts, in our minds, in the way that we're acting, if we don't look at those aspects of Jesus and, and God and see his character, like, man, I think, we're, I think the world's going to eat our lunch. And so here's just a simple little exercise. If you guys want to take a picture of this or write down these things, I would encourage you to and, and look back at them over the week. But here, let me explain what I mean by each of these steps, okay? So what am I believing? And I'm not saying, like, how am I feeling even. What am I believing about myself? So for me, over the last few weeks, like, there's been, if I'm being honest, like, a lot of anxiety. There's been feelings of panic and feelings of brokenness. And, and so, like, to me, in the midst of that, I see those as little check engine lights, right? That it's like, what, it's like, ding, 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 what, what's happening, Okay. And so what that makes me do is if I'm feeling anxious and I'm feeling panicked and I'm feeling, you know, broken, I need to ask myself, what am I believing about myself? So for me, like as I did this inventory, it, I'm believing that I'm not good enough. I'm believing that I won't measure up. And I'm not saying this so that, like, anybody will come and be like, oh, my gosh, you know, you're, you're awesome. It's, it's not what this is about. I'm, I want to be vulnerable and just show you, like, how this can work, right? 
and honestly, like when I look at those emotions, is it, man, I'm, I, am I ever going to be good enough? Am I a failure as a father? Am I a failure as a friend? Am I a failure as a pastor? Am I a failure as a husband? Because it feels like a lot of dropped balls in my life, you know? And, and for, for good reason, I look at like the things that, that are swirling around me sometimes. I'm just like, man, I, yeah, you know? That's what I'm believing about myself. I think probably like that's, that's a kind of universal thing sometimes. Like the, the core motivation in our heart is to belong and to be known and to be loved. So if we feel like we're not measuring up, like, man, that can start swirling big time and it produces other things. And so, you know, the next thing that I had to ask myself as I'm walking through this, like, if I'm believing that I'm a failure, where am I learning this from? And so I look at the world around me and I, I look at a laundry list of things that are happening, right? I mean, like, I love my kids more than anything except for, you know, Jesus and my wife. But here's the deal. Like, parenting a toddler is hard, you know? Like, what they say, like, the definition of insanity is parenting a, a toddler. But no, I, I, like, every decision, you, you just feel like this weight sometimes, you know? And it's just like, Man, I keep on and keep on and keep on and keep, and she's just, she's learning, maybe, I, I don't know. And you just like, she, she goes to bed at night, and you just sit there and think like, man, what kind of impact am I having on this kid, you know? I hope it's a good one. And then I look at that, and I'm like balancing the, the work and family life. It, it's, you guys know, it's a, it's a struggle. Am I there enough for my wife? Am I lifting enough of her load? Am I, it just goes on and on. And then I, I think back to the office, you know, and it's like, man, uh, I'm, I'm letting people down because I'm, you know, sometimes I don't email back right away or like there's, there's so many things happening, you know? So I'm looking at like, how did I learn this? How did I learn this, this feeling of failure? It's because I'm seeing things dropped around me that I've dropped and it's heavy. But then we have to turn the key. I've, I've evaluated, and I've, I've spent time in prayer and asked the Lord to, to reveal these things to me. What am I believing about myself? Where did I learn these things? And now I take those things and I turn them back to God, and I say, but who are you, God? Who are you? Well, I've just given you four. Like that, that's the cheat sheet right there, right? Jesus is our Messiah. He's our friend. He's our king. He's our priest. We could go on and on. He's our savior. He, he's the God that created the universe. He's, he's the great I am. He's the holiest, most beautiful, most perfect being in existence. He, he holds the earth in his hand. He numbers our days. I mean, like, we can go on and on and on about the, the majesty and the glory of God. I think sometimes we forget who he is because we don't value this. We have like really bad opinions of God sometimes, right? If we had poor fathers, maybe we've modeled our view of God after that. Or maybe we, we look at him as just a, a cosmic genie who, who grants our wishes. What's the Bible say about him? It says he's my father. It says that when I walked into the gospel, when I, when I entered into relationship with him, that I'm no longer an orphan, but I, I have a father. It says that I'm no longer broken, but he looks at me and he calls me righteous. What do I know about God? 
I know that he's gracious and merciful and caring and loving and that it is his character for me to know him. So I look at those thoughts that I'm having, right? And I feel like a failure. I feel like, you know, I, I'm dropping these balls, but what is God? Who is God? He, he's my father. He cares deeply for me. He knows me to my core. And, and what does he say about me? He calls me loved. He calls me blessed. And it's not like some prosperity thing, but, but like legitimately the, the God of the universe looks at you and is proud of you. The God of the universe who, who knit all of this together he looks at you and he calls you son. He calls you daughter and, and whom he's well pleased. That's why like that, that uh, scripture in Ephesians just knocked me off of my feet because like what do I think I'm earning? Nothing. Because he's my father and he pours out his gifts upon me and, and he looks at me and he tells me I'm enough. He tells me that, that I'm not a failure. And yeah, I'm, I might have experiences to learn in my life, but that does not define me. It doesn't get to create who I am. It doesn't get to take up my headspace anymore because God looks at me and said, because I'm your father, I'm telling you that you're chosen. I'm telling you that, that, um, that, that you have new life in me. So what should I believe moving forward? Well, how about I start with that? What else should I believe? The promises of God, they're written all in this book. Are you kidding me? We're so busy filling ourselves with other things that we, we forget the promises of God. We're so busy filling ourselves with the words of other people. We're so busy filling ourselves with the things we read on Facebook, the things we watch on the television, the things that, that circle around us at all times that, that, man, are we really believing what this says about us? You want to restore the joy of your salvation, man? Get in this book and see what God says about you. It'll blow your mind. So then... How am I going to do it? What am I going to do about it? And can I tell you, like, I'll start this process sometimes. I, I, I like to call it, like, preaching the gospel to myself. <laughs> and I'll get done, and like, whew, yes. And then, like, a minute later sometimes, it's like, yeah, but anxiety. And it's like, all right, buckle up. We're doing it again. I, I'm a firm believer that not only should we preach the gospel to ourselves, but as we're feeling these emotions and we're feeling the different things that are circulating around our, in our heads, we need to preach the gospel to that. So what do I mean by that? Like, like seriously, I believe that, that emotions are a gift from God. And, and we can tend to be like, anger, that's a bad emotion. It's like, it's not a bad emotion, it's misdirected. If I'm angry and, and sinning because of that, then that's a bad emotion. But if I'm angry and using that for justice, like God has a purpose in that. And so there's sometimes in my life where I've got anger, or I've got these different things, and I'm preaching the gospel to it. I'm like, anger, like what, what is making me feel this way? Don't you know that Jesus is better? And, and I'm pre it's like inside out, you know, the, the Pixar movie. It's like bopping around in my head, like anger, like get your act together, man. God has big plans for us, but we got to believe who he is and we got to do the things that he said to do. And can I tell you, like, I, I might look crazy, but like, here's the thing is like, a whole me is understanding who God has created me to be and then walking in that path. A whole me is preaching the gospel to myself so that I don't get off the path. We should be preaching the gospel to ourselves every second of every day until we truly believe that the gospel is good enough news to change our lives. Do 
we believe it? Do we, do we have that? Like, I, I know we will say that we do. I know I say I do. I'm like, yeah, I love Jesus. This is awesome. But, but do I live that way? Do I, do I submit to that? Do I preach the gospel of myself in such a way that, that I'm living a renewed life every single moment of every single day? And no, I don't. None of us do because we're all human. But if something like this, if a tool like this can, can get us into a place where we receive more of God, a little bit more than we did yesterday, then holy cow, man, sign me up. Because I need the gospel, I need the good news to, to speak into my weary and broken heart. Do you remember that passage? Come to me, all you who are weary, who are heavy laden, who are broken down, who feel burnt out. Preach the gospel. What does Jesus say about, about his burden? It's easy, his yoke is light. Why am I carrying a heavy burden if his yoke is easy and his burden's light? What's the gospel I'm believing about myself? That I can earn anything? His gospel to me is it's clear in Ephesians. Your salvation is a free gift from God. You can't take credit for it. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. He looks at me and calls me his own. But is it really good news? Or am I letting the things of the world wear me down to the point that I can't see the light of that anymore? The lineage of Jesus shows us grace. Here's the deal. Grace is the unconditional love of a person who does not deserve it. We looked at that earlier. Can we be gracious to ourselves? And can we accept the grace of Jesus? We don't deserve it. But man, he loves to preach the gospel to us. That's what he's doing as our king and our priest. And we join in that chorus and preach the gospel to ourselves. Here's two points of application for you. Number one, if, if man, if you're in this place and you're like, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Like, I, I feel worn out. I feel tired. I feel burnt out. And that whole, like, unforced rhythm of grace thing, that sounds awesome. Can you ask God? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm really asking, could you just spend some time with God where you ask him one question then just sit silent and listen and wait because you ask him to restore the joy of your salvation and then just sit in his presence that's like feel weird for some people like yeah, he wants to speak to you he wants to pour out man I, I, I find all over scripture we have not because we ask not if anyone lacks wisdom let him ask God I, I fully believe that if anyone lacks the joy of their salvation, let him ask God. I'm not trying to add to the Bible, but man, why not ask for it? God, can you show me not only like how to preach the gospel of myself, could you astound me with your gospel? Could you knock me off my feet and remind me the joy of my salvation. The second point of application here, so number one, ask God to restore the joy in your salvation if you're not feeling it anymore. Number two is like, seriously, seriously, take those six questions and run with them. When you're feeling cruddy, when you're feeling weary, when you're feeling 
anxious, when you're feeling broken. I'm not saying that this will fix everything, but what it does is it makes us more aware of Jesus in our presence. There are still things we're going to walk through, but I would much rather walk through it with Jesus at my side speaking truth into me than by myself speaking negativity. So number two, when you're up against those things, even if it's like 1,700 times a day, man, we preach the gospel to ourselves. What's that gospel? That I was a sinner, I was broken, but Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He died the death that I deserved and gave me new life. That's like, that's the gospel. And we can elaborate, but I mean, that's, that's the heart of the gospel. So why don't I look at the things in my life and, and you're broken, but Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, he shed his blood and I can claim new life in this area. What would that do for our lives? I'm convinced that Jesus loves us so much, so overwhelmingly much, that he will honor that process when we begin to walk in it wholeheartedly. I don't know, maybe it's a tool that'll work great for you. Maybe you find him in a different way, but can I just encourage you, like, Let's not be Christian zombies. I don't think there's any such thing. Let's be Christians who are overwhelmed and impacted by the love of Jesus and can't help but to shine that into every aspect of our life, including our relationships. So this morning, are you weak? Are you worn out? Are you burn out? Can we ask Jesus to, to fix that? Can we ask Jesus to speak into that? I believe he wants to. We're about to sing a song, and just completely in that lineage of, of Jesus' theme, this song is just, it's such a beautiful reminder for us of God's plan for us, him singing favor over us, not in a prosperity kind of way, but him literally singing his blessings over us. And can you receive that this morning? Can you, like as we sing this song together, will you, will you receive that and believe that in your life and then sing it over your neighbors? and the future generations of, of you. God's blessing of his presence. I want to invite you to stand and let's sing.